Not recording it? Well, I, I turned pause. it off. I paused. Who knows? That was all great stuff. Yeah. Sorry, mar- listeners. Marginal stuff at best. <laughs> yeah, we hardly. There was nothing there. <laughs> nothing there. I'm going to take the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we sure share the tools <laughs> to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. I, the change had something to do with tuning up your finances, so I'll keep working on it. I Maybe think, you should have gone with the change. That wasn't smooth. No, no, no yeah. it wasn't. It, that's because I had a practice beer tonight, boys. Oh, By I need way. a beer right now. I'm cracking yeah. into this. Yeah, so the beverage of the evening is... Whistler Brewing, Forager. I almost get it there. Gluten-free oh. lager. Gluten-free. Yeah. And I'm using so. the uh, custom-made railway tie bottle opener because I don't drink bottles that often, so it's kind of nice to bring it out. Absolutely. And uh, tell us about this beer, Economist. Well, we have to thank Maria from Handful of Thoughts for buying us this round. She said she'd like us to try a gluten-free beer or a hard cider. And we just had the cider the other week, so um, we went with the the forager. She she also mentioned that Glutenberg is their favorite, but right. I think we've all tried that before, so we went with something new. Yeah, this is this is the local gluten free. You can see through it, hey? <laughs> I couldn't even see a glass there. That was perfect. It's just like in his, <laughs> in his hidden background. I'm like, wow, that's really clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This isn't bad at all. You know, I, I did have a practice one because it came in the pack of six, but uh, yeah, not bad at all. For if, if you'd handed it to me and not told me it was gluten free, I probably wouldn't have known. No, no, this is pretty decent. That's what happened to me the first time I tried uh, Glutenberg. I thought it was a pl- I thought it was a place, and I had it and it <laughs> tasted fine, and then it turned out it was gluten free. Yeah, well, this is Whistler Brewing, which is just up the road from us on the continent. And this is the Forger Lager, and it doesn't have much of a blurb on it. It just says they've hunted and gathered an assortment of flavors to create this golden amber brew. It's hop forward and full of character. So, uh, yeah, nothing wrong with this at all. Cheers. Thank you, Maria. Handful of thoughts for the round of beverages. We do appreciate that. Cheers. Boys, we're digging into a subject that is changing faster than the level of my beer. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. Yeah. This this episode is literally irrelevant as soon as we finish recording it. I, I think mid-speak on what we're talking about, it will be irrelevant. Yeah. So should we say it's late February? <laughs> it's it's yes. totally irrelevant. Yeah, it's, it's late February. Um, even some of the other podcasts that I've listened to and some of the articles that I read, like there's blog posts that come out today that I'm not going to say they're irrelevant because they have historical significance, but... <laughs> The whole crypto market, specifically Bitcoin, is just a very fast-changing, fast-paced environment, lots of speculation, lots of volatility. Nobody knows where it's going to go. We haven't talked about it much on the show before, but I think it is something we do need to at least learn a little bit about. Maybe not something we hold a ton of in our financial independence portfolio, and our core portfolio, but you know we're here to talk about some alternative stuff too, so let's dig into that after we hear who today's show sponsor is. Oh, that's up to me, of course. <laughs> I, just, I didn't know if we were pre-recorded. Yeah, you you what? didn't te- you didn't tell us who was going to do it, so I assumed you were leading into that. <laughs> the lead-in is done. <laughs> All right. Well, so okay. The interesting part about today's show sponsor is it's from Family Money Saver, and he paid me in Bitcoin, which is really cool. Yes. Okay, we're going to talk about who we've been using as our brokerage for Bitcoin a little bit later in the show, so I won't drop that just yet. But he transferred me, and I did the math before we did the show today, because Bitcoin is a 24-hour market. It never stops. It fluctuates nonstop. So right right now, as we are speaking and recording it, it's just shy of, it's 59,000. Oh, wow. Wasn't it like 50? 
Yesterday? It was 72 like three three days ago. <laughs> it dropped 50 yesterday, right? It dropped five grand today. So basically, boys, what I'm telling you is the sponsorship's not worth as much as when we got sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Family Money Saver, as much as we appreciate the sponsorship, you owe me five bucks. Uh, no. <laughs> the, the, the best part about it is, though, that, you know, that, that sponsorship money, if we never actually cash it in, Maybe you know we might no two, we, we, we might two exit. We have to let it ride just yeah. for fun, just to oh, see yeah. like ongoing what it what it becomes worth in ten years. Totally. Anyway, so just a quick plug for uh, familymoneysaver.ca. Uh, I have been reading their blog for a while. We do communicate quite a lot on Twitter. Uh, the great they do weekend weekly weekend roundups, and they got a ton of articles in there. I know they're coming out with a really in depth RRSP one, which will be just in time for you to get in. Well, maybe not just in time. It'll be just about the six. 60 days for 60 to get it in there, but you should be doing that all year long. Anyway, so big thanks to Family Money Saver. And he also threw out some of his opinion on crypto slash Bitcoin. Uh, so we'll share some of that as the episode goes on. But a big thanks for the sponsorship. Gentlemen, the Money you. Mechanic is here to talk about crypto. Right? Oh, we're, not, we're not jumping right into the accountants, right? Well, sure. That. Absolutely, we can. I'm fine with that. obligation of the... Uh, sponsorship yeah that, yeah that was part of the obligation is that there there would be an a an accountant rant right and and i i did the back search on this i did the research i went down the rabbit hole the last few days and there are parts of this that are cre- incredibly interesting from a economic background standpoint We'll get into the investable part of it later, but I think we should give some background on what Bitcoin is. So in 2008... (laughs) Oh, okay, perfect. It's an actual history lesson. Actual history lesson. Some magical person, they think it's a group of people, they don't know, Satori Nakamoto... Satoshi. Satoshi, there we go, released an eight-page white paper, essentially... The whole point of it was that there needs to be a better way to communicate or to transact on the internet. Because how we transact right now is you you have to give somebody your bank number. They can take and send money from that bank number. It's actually incredibly insecure. There's so much fraud every year that is taxed on the system that it's actually built into companies' business models, banks and whatnot, that they expect to lose a certain amount of fraud. So the whole purpose of this was to try and make something that's not fraudulent. Can, can I jump in with a question? Yes. <laughs> isn't the, isn't the fraudulent system working? I mean, I have a zero dollar bank account, and well, I'm going to answer that. The problem yes. is, you're working with a 60 year old system that worked fine when you showed up, and they knew it was you that was transacting. That exactly. was built for the in person monetary system. Okay, it was not built for the internet architecture, and that's that really what. The accountants get into here, and I totally agree with him. Is that this is internet money? This isn't yeah. you using your checking account money. That's an old system for doing old things in the financial. That's why we need banks. That's why we need clearinghouses. That's why you need that giant structure and all that failed fraud and miscalculation, all the rest of it. Anyway, go ahead, account. And so we've band-aided that old system for years with coming up with credit cards and debit cards, even the central clearing houses. That's all band-aids on the old printed money, bank system, monetary system. And it's expensive. We need to adapt. It's, it's expensive. It's hard to run. We need to adapt. Absolutely. That's no disagreement here. So the purpose of building Bitcoin, I'm specifically talking Bitcoin, but it works for all cryptocurrencies on this, was instead of the bank holding the ledger that says who owes what and what owes what, it decentralized that ledger so that a bunch of people have it. And those people verify the transactions. I can't do justice to the actual technology behind this, but essentially there's a public key, there's a private key. If you lose your private key, you lose your Bitcoin. Like I think they guess that 20% of the Bitcoin in existence right now has just been lost and will never be found. People don't know what the key is. It's gone. It's done. Is that like your login to your... Similar to losing your login, except you can't go to Google and say, hey, what's my login? Because Google doesn't... like It's completely decentralized. If you lose that key, you're done. Right. So the Bitcoin can literally just... It, it exists, but no one's on the blockchain, which is how they 
keep this ledger going of who owes what and what goes where. They don't, you know, there's a bunch of Bitcoin that hasn't moved in years and they're pretty confident that it's lost. And then there's another block that they're pretty confident is just being held long-term by people. The whales. We got the a Bitcoin at the bottom of the ocean and the Bitcoin in Fort Knox. Right. Okay. Yeah. And now if you really want like the three hour deep dive on this, we'll put it in the show notes. There's a great podcast from Acquired all on Bitcoin and it gives you the full rundown of everything. I'm doing the 20,000 foot view and I'm sure there's going to be some angry people who love Bitcoin on the yeah. things I've screwed up. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get that right out of the way right now. This is for entertainment purposes. <laughs> Beat, beat the economist to it, but also that we are definitely no, I don't think any, either one of us are super pro on this, but we're also not super con. So we're not definitely not, I don't consider myself an expert by any means, but I have been following along for, for several years now. And right. one of the things that I think is really important is that just get some education in this area because Sure. It, it but may not be big. Okay, go keep, you want to keep going? You want me to let me I just want to finish finish the <laughs> the backstory of this before we get into actually talking about it. Okay, okay, okay. So there's the blockchain, you've got miners, and these people are the people that come in and do complex computer algorithms to prove the blockchain, to prove the uh essentially the transactions. Those people get awarded Bitcoin as a reward. So this is essentially a social network but for monetary transactions. The more buy-in you get, the more valuable the network is. The more these transactions get complex because they build on each other, the harder it actually is to break down and create fraud in the system because we don't have the computing power to actually be able to go back and do it. The example is like a one-way transaction. If you get two prime numbers and you multiply them together, it's really easy to do it one way. Once you have that number to back it out, very difficult. It's this. It's the same that we do with all two-factor authentication. Like the entire world's complex coding and encrypting is based on this system. So essentially, the value of Bitcoin is the years worth of mining people have been doing to build the blockchain that is perpetually building on itself and becoming more and more secure. But without buy-in, it's completely and utterly worthless. But <laughs> boom. Fact of the matter. So, well, okay, intrinsically. Intrinsically. And so I'll just, and I've glossed over a ton of things and haven't brought up a ton of stuff, but there's people who mine Bitcoin. They're the people who verify the transactions for everyone. They're awarded Bitcoin. Every four years, the amount of Bitcoin they're awarded halves. So I think right now, every time you complete a block, you get six and a half Bitcoin, I think we're at. Now, the program. The program has, be writ has been written so that there will only ever be a maximum 21 million Bitcoin. And I think we hit that either in 2024 or 2028. 2140. Oh, 2140. Okay, sorry. Well, but, that's, that's like a 100-year lease. It's not really relevant. It's, yeah, 100-year lease. At this point, it's not relevant. Yeah, yeah, it's not relevant. But essentially, the motivation for all these people to come in and verify all these transactions is... That they're getting awarded the currency. That's right. Yeah. Now, the, my last point is that the problem with the original thought that this would be a way you'd transact is that the transactions are actually too slow for you to be making microtransactions. Mm -hmm. Because of how big and complex the blockchain has gotten, you can't just instantly verify a Bitcoin transfer. It takes more time than that. So it's not actually a good medium of immediate exchange. But because everybody's bought into the system and everybody started using the Bitcoin, it appears to be a good store of value. Does it check the boxes as a currency would? No, because there's, I mean, so you need to have faith in the currency. <laughs> do, do you though? Well, enough people do. Enough, enough people, people do. We have, we have to agree that it's agree a store, okay. that it's a store so, of value. But- more people are adopting it. More people are adopting it. Sure. It's, right. It's gaining acceptance. Okay. So it's gaining acceptance. But you, I you think, go ahead. Where do you think it falls short of being a currency? It's not transactional. It's not transactional in nature. There are other cryptos that have become like micro contracts. Like Arethrium is based on like contracts. 
And so that is more in a transactional basis. But Bitcoin itself, everything that I've read compares it more to gold. It's more of a digital store of value. Right. Yeah. I can't disagree with you on that. And I think that's where people are getting hung up is because they're looking at it or, or maybe they're looking at cryptos sort of in general as having to have some transactional property to it. And sure, some will. And maybe we haven't even seen the ones that will be the one. We don't know what we don't know about the ones that are going to be, right? The one that makes that quick, super, it has to be super cheap, super fast, easily processed, yet very secure to be really effective as, as my crypto when I go buy a pack of gum, right? Yeah. Well, and so I think most people now, and I mean, I'm sure what I just said, there's a bunch of things that are wrong in it. And I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of crypto lovers hating on this. <laughs> but the whole thing with it is it's not used, it's not super useful as a day to day, like going to the store and buying your McDonald's with crypto. No. Right. There's nobody doing that, right? There's nobody doing that. So it's more likened to digital gold is yes. what it has adapted into now. Okay. Well, let's just dig into that quickly before we move on then. What do you think gives it that qualification? Why is it something that we can call a, a digital... Oh, I don't know if I want to call it an asset, but digital gold. Why? So it's scarce. Yes. There's, there's only, only ever going to be 21 million. Yeah. It, it won't... It, it, can't be impacted by inflation. Well, it, <laughs> everything can be impacted yeah, by inflation. But it can't be inflated by itself because of its nature of only having 21. Right. It can't be manipulated by governments. It yeah. can't be manipulated by outside parties. It is a separate, decentralized, secured item. Mm -hmm. So I understand the value there from the store of value, but you also have to look at I mean, if we decouple money and governments, I mean, let's not even go down the rabbit hole of what kind of global problems that causes economically no, and no, no, right. socially and worldwide. But gold is shiny, though. Gold is shiny. And you can physically hold gold. Right. Now, is there any, any use at all for Bitcoin aside from its existence? No. Right. Without buying, it has zero... You Zero make, use, right? Obviously, you can't make jewelry out of it, but you can't use it to superpower your computer or anything like that. Either. Can't do anything with it. Um, it's similar in that it's a bearer asset. So it doesn't matter if I pick up somebody's digital wallet and I've got the private codes for those Bitcoins on that digital wallet, they're mine now. Right. Nobody, we, you can't prove. And if I send you a Bitcoin... It's not like a credit card. You can't get a charge back. People can't later go after the transaction. That transaction's done. It's been proved. It's in the blockchain. Too bad. It's gone. So is is crime involved heavily here? Now, I, I think that's a little bit of go go down the legend. silk. Well, go down the Silk Road. Listen to the Acquired podcast if on it if you want to hear about the crime side of what happened with all of that and the Silk Road and the Fort Knox and all that stuff. Well, if you can't. If you can't uh, trace the transactions, obviously it would be. Well, and that was originally a lot of government's problem with it. Right. So there's our backstory on all of this now. Now, the question is, is do we need to own any of it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that is the question is you're on your FI journey. You've got your solid index ETF portfolio. Are you playing around with any crypto? I don't know. I'm keeping it so specific to Bitcoin just because it's, the big mover. I'm not worried about the hundred other coins, you know, all the coin releases that are out there. Uh, maybe a little bit of um, urethrum, but so do you need I, to have it? I, I used to have some, sold it for a small loss. Now I don't have any. <laughs> sold it for a small loss. <laughs> Seriously, like 10 bucks or something. <laughs> um, uh, when was that? Around 14K. Around 14K. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking like I was thinking, what year was that? Because like, oh, I guess yeah, I, held on to that. I think it's a couple years ago. Yeah, but money and and seriously, it was like insignificant. But yeah. how about you, money mechanic? Well, just before Christmas, um, it was funny because last summer, I said to Mrs. Money Mechanic, I said, you know, we should just buy one Bitcoin. Let's just buy one. They're twelve grand. Let's just buy one. 
one and done. Never touch it. Just leave it there. That way I got one of everything. I got one of everything. I'm on the one of everything investment (laughs) path, right? But we didn't do it. And I'll tell you why we didn't is mostly because I didn't have the time or I didn't put in the time to learn how to transact or how to do it properly, right? Because not, I mean, it's getting easier now, but it's it's getting easier. But you hear the horror stories of, exchanges that have gone bust like the whole i mean there's Coins a whole lost. there's a whole po- there's a whole podcast there's a whole like series of podcasts on the mount geox saga right of yeah. how that all came to pass which is actually really interesting but so we didn't end up buying anything because i didn't know how and i just happened to be come i came across an article in december by freedom 35 uh liquid over there who I do respect. He does his research and he's already FI. So shout out. Good job. He wrote one up about why he's bullish on Bitcoin. And it's interesting in the FI community because you definitely have the camps, right? You've got the people that are bullish, the people that aren't and and some in-betweeners and the fence sitters. So you can kind of, that's the problem with this subject is you can pick, you can validate yourself however you want. You can validate yourself that it's going to zero or you can validate yourself that it's going to the moon. So choose what you want to learn about, but try and learn both sides, right? Anyway, he's he was bullish on it and he talked about ShakePay. He'd done his research and that's who he chose to use as his brokerage. And I just want to kind of sidestep a little bit here because there's a big difference between using a brokerage to buy your crypto and and physically <laughs> metaphorically physically h- holding your crypto right mm-hmm. it's the same well, and true true believers go by the saying if it's not your code it's not your cone exactly if you don't have the key it's not your coin and, yeah and th- this is really so, interesting and something to let me finish off where i'm going with this though because shake pay i did buy at the end of december and it was it was just kind of like oh now i know there's somewhere i can buy it and I'm telling you, it was way too easy. And it kind of scares me. It kind of scares me a little bit about the same way free trading in brokerages scares me because I was able to click a few buttons, e-transfer myself my own money from my bank account. It could have come from a credit card, which is super scary too. And it was in there within less than half an hour, I bought $500 worth of Bitcoin. In less than half an hour, I'd speculated on a volatile asset that I had no fundamental, like I have an understanding, but no real fundamental understanding of where it's going to go from December 21st. And since then, here we are at the end of February, I've bought in a few more times and we've seen it go in. Like I bought in at 29,000. We've seen it hit Canada currency mid 60s, 64. I think it hit somewhere around there. It hit 72 at one point. It hit 72 and then it's back down to today. What did I say? It was 59, right? So yeah. Nuts, like Canadian total dollar. nuts. Not, not it, normally it's quoted in USD, so that's, that's right. Canadian dollar. We are a Canadian show, so <laughs> it. I mean, wow, awesome! I I two xed my money at twenty nine k, but it's five hundred bucks. It doesn't even move the needle. Like I should just yeah. go to work for a week. Like what's the big deal type thing? But there was. I know you want to say something, economist. So I'll wrap this up real quick. Actually, you know what? I'll let you jump in now because I've I've got something else to say about that. Okay. Well, you know. Sure, you two extra money, but if you did this in in 2012, you would, you know, thousand x, 120 x at least. Yeah. Uh, so that's significant, and there's yeah. nothing saying that it couldn't go there. Yeah. Right. Unlikely, maybe, but I I've got an argument for that one. Still a possibility. So you bought this thing, your Bitcoin. Yep. And but where do you store it? Same place. Okay. This is this is what I was going to say was. I trust that brokerage to see. And I think this is where we kind of get, you can really get into the weeds here is that there's cold storage and hot storage for Bitcoin, right? The cold storage is where it's the keys are actually locked in a vault. They're protected. They're underground. They're very, very secure. That can't be lost unless you lose the key. And then there's the online brokerage. And that's the same as you trading at Quest Trade, right? It's a brokerage. You trust them that they've got a stock certificate there somewhere for you. You just don't ask them for their stock certificate. So this is... Here's the difference. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Your Bitcoin code that you've never had, that's a decentralized ledger. That code's gone. It's gone. Yep. Quest Trade loses my stock certificate. I'm on a register as a shareholder of those corporations. 
mm-hmm. big difference. I don't disagree at all, but that's the point is you got to what you got to trust a broker or you got to try and find a way of buying $500 which is like the fourth decimal place of Bitcoin <laughs> and, and getting a key from it and then having a hardware a wallet that you plug into your laptop and you put your key on it, right? Yeah. Like that's a lot of work for a $500 investment. If it's a hundred yeah. grand or half a million, sure, absolutely. I want the keys, but do I do I really care about having my own key for a five hundred dollar Bitcoin investment? I but trust that you, brokerage. Would you put as as a regular person, not some tech bro who's got millions of dollars and already has it sorted out and can take flyers on massively gaining assets and VC capital? Would you put a hundred grand into gold? Of course you wouldn't. Do I get the gold? <laughs> Oh, sure. sure. You could build your house out of it, but <laughs> but Bitcoin right now. Uh, when I was looking, I think yesterday. This is going to be so wrong because it fluctuates so much. But <laughs> yeah. it had like one fifth the market cap of gold. Yeah. No. So it, if it's one tenth, isn't it? It's one tenth. It's market gold market cap is like ten trillion, and we just rolled over a trillion like last week. Right. I'm Bitcoin. talking about all the gold that's not that is out of the ground and not used in jewelry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's about five trillion. So if you assume that that's how much money is out there to hold in a physical asset as an inflation hedge and a protection against governments failing, so maybe Bitcoin overtakes gold. So at five x's from here, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but even okay. So Bitcoin goes from fifty thousand USD to a five hundred thousand USD. You got a ten x. Like, are you too late to get the ridiculous? Bitcoin going from two cents to fifty thousand dollars, like to make those kind of gains again, each Bitcoin would need to be a hundred million dollars. Well, that, that yeah, but the, I mean that's the same with any stock too, right? If if you if it's trading at cents and then it goes to dollars, you're you're never going to be multiplying your money. It's easily doesn't mean it's impossible. But it's the same reason we don't dabble in penny stocks. Sure, that's right. going to be where you're going to get the absolutely astronomical gains. Yeah. Same point. Well, I I know you're I know where you're going. And I think I agree with you. Is we may see a five X or a ten X in it. It's gonna be a long volatile road to get there. And you're not gonna see the the thousand like what are we at? Three thousand X from well, whatever it was from when it was ten cents when you could buy a pizza with ten whatever it was. I think it's more than I think it's more than that. I think it's, it's like it's the number sorry. one asset in the last ten years. Absolutely. Nothing's outperformed it. It's the largest growth that we've ever seen in human history. But you're absolutely right. Today's value at 50K, you're not going to thousand exit. Well, we shouldn't say you're not, but the likelihood of the future expected returns. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, well, like, and that's the other thing is this is pure speculation, right? It can also go to zero. Everybody stops using it, it's worthless. Right. It's not like you're buying a business. You're not buying a share certificate. So when I see people that are going in and being like, 50% of my portfolio is in Bitcoin, it's like, okay, so 50% of your portfolio you're speculating with? Like, maybe I'm the idiot and it's going to really pay off for you, but there's also a real good chance that you lose all of your net worth. Right. Now, other side of the coin, if we, other, other side of the Bitcoin. <laughs> If instead of maxing out our TFSA, we invested all that money in Bitcoin, we'd be uh, long fired. Yeah, depending when you did it. If you did it a week ago. Oh, okay. So he's taking if you in 2009, instead of starting a TFSA, you should. Oh, why didn't you do the math on that? I don't think you had the ability to buy it in 2009. Yeah, we should have done the math on that. That would be somebody that's better than math, better math in the show notes. notes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, that's interesting. Um, no, well, okay. So this comes back to the, actually the question that we really need to be asking is from our point of view, where we stand in, not my point of view is trying to own one of everything, the point of view of a normal financial independence fire investee <laughs> that has a good solid index portfolio, maybe some dividend stocks, you're working your way towards financial independence. Do you, it's not whether do you want some? Do you need some? I don't know what the answer is that you guys, that documentary that I shared with you that we'll put in the show notes, they're big. And I've heard this in other places too, is it says, why not 1% of your portfolio? Cause if it's 1% of your portfolio and it goes to zero, doesn't matter. 
it's not it's not going to make a big difference. But if it's one percent and it goes a hundred x, it's going to move the needle more than any of your other investments for one percent. Great point. Why don't I put one percent uh, into a dart board hit uh, penny stock? <laughs> because it because it's no that I disagree with you. That's not the same at all. It's not. I would no. say this is a little less like a dartboard penny stock. But okay, and my other argument is, isn't that the case eight years ago, nine years ago, ten years ago, rather than the case today? Sure, but it's the difference today is that it's being widely accepted as a store of value. So people right. are using it, right? Like we've the blockchain is there. There's giant pe- groups of supercomputers that are mining Bitcoin. It's a thing now. And I mean, I listen, I'm not a Bitcoin guy. I don't yeah. super believe in this, but I own a thousand bucks worth of Bitcoin. Okay, but just I'm saying, to own it. Right. Just in case I'm wrong. Like I, sure, I'd love to be wrong and it goes to five hundred million a coin. That would be great. Yeah, okay. So um at one percent you need I don't know, fifty X to really move the needle. Don't yes. you? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And you're right. Maybe we've missed that. Like maybe that 50x point is totally gone. But if it only goes 5x from here, or if it goes, if it doesn't move, you you haven't lost. True. Right. I I guess you could really start working on your opportunity cost of putting the money in well, there. I, the but question, it's one percent. But the question is: Is it your best bet? Is it is Bitcoin still your best bet? I to I take off. Absolutely, do not that think was- that it is still your best bet. Right. From a returns point of view for a 10-year time frame? No. Yeah, from a, a from a striking it rich. If you're going to put 1% of your uh, portfolio on a flyer, is Bitcoin the right flyer? That's I don't think it's a flyer. That's not... And no, but that was your the whole questions. argument. <laughs> that, but that was your whole argument that you put it in because it's a flyer. <laughs> it, 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 that was your whole argument. He's got you there. He absolutely has you there. <laughs> No, 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 no. I rescind my former argument. (laughs) I agree on its speculative nature. (laughs) Okay, Okay. let me rethink this. Let me restructure here. Carry on without me. No, the point of what what you said was if you put 1% of your portfolio into Bitcoin, if it skyrockets, you win. And if it doesn't do much, it's not a big loss. So the question okay. is, is the 1% in Bitcoin your best bet today? Well, okay. Can you provide me with, well, I know what you're going to say is put it in a dart and throw it at the, at well, the no, S&P I mean, or whatever, right? Or the NASDAQ. Yeah. I Okay. The reason I'm going to say yes, it's better. And I'm going to also, this is just an opinion, of course. We are already from our transactional mindset are ready to accept forms of crypto. Like let's, let's just accept that the blockchain is going to happen. We've been accepting air miles when we travel around in Canada as a currency that has value. We've been accepting Canadian tire dollars for years that are tokens. Think of blockchain as tokens that have the, we agree have value and Canadian tire tells us it has value. Therefore it does. Well, and for me, how nice. come okay. I? Okay. Uh, but the, uh, he's only got two minutes. Let him go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the agreement that there's value in it and the networking value that the accountant brought up earlier is the reason why I think Bitcoin is not as much of a flyer as the rest of the crypto universe. So from that point of view, I think we brought up how it may not be the transactional one. It won't be day-to-day use. It's not going to be your Canadian Tire money that you use at Canadian Tire. Who knows? Walmart will come up with their own blockchain fund that they that you use to transact on their website, right? Everybody could have their own token, but there's going to be one that's widely accepted. That's widely accepted as a store of value. And I think that's the only argument I can make for Bitcoin. And they have such a head start on that. that Yes. They have for somebody to come along and secede them as like the cryptocurrency that is that store of value. Well, they already have such a big head start. They already have such a large unhackable blockchain 
why would another one be able to beat them? And you're incentivized to keep using it because you're paid in it to be to be mining it, right? So we'll follow up after this quick beer break. <laughs> yeah, I need another. The next thing that I wanted to bring up with this whole crypto thing is, again, I don't at all plan on it being a driver of returns in my portfolio. It is a hedge. Okay. It is a hedge against the US becomes not the global reserve currency, governments around the world falter, people need something secure to transact in. At this point, that would be Bitcoin. Okay, so I don't think that's your next argument. I think that's been the argument for the past five minutes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, good point. But that's just more actually articulating it as it is a hedge. Fair enough. So in that case, 1% isn't the right move. In that case, you want something like 10 or 25% because... Oof. I'm not hedging with 25% of my portfolio. Well, then why bother? It's got a point. I mean, okay, everything goes to shit. You have 1% of your portfolio left. Uh, no, I'll, t- I'll tell you why. <laughs> I will tell you why. Okay. Because I still own those companies. Right. So the currency that they have been transacting in may be worthless. The companies are not. They are going to need time to get online and start co- transacting in a new currency. The same okay. way that when Deutsche Marks went worthless and they issued a new currency to restart everything. The businesses in that country were not worthless. The currency was. So you want your hedge to be something like 50% of your cash holdings. Yes. To cover if the cash system fails, but we have to remember like a lot, there's been a lot of talk lately about what happens if the U S becomes not the reserve currency, right? Your stock holdings are not worthless just because U.S. dollars are worthless. Exactly. Apple is I not totally a worthless agree. company because the U.S. dollar is worthless. That's not how that works. So who who had the 1% argument? Well, it was the documentary that was on. He's not going to take credit for it now that he had the no. 1% argument. No, no. I never, it was, I, he didn't. Early. I, I'm never no, taking credit for it. Well, okay. You guys always like to have more of my length. Oh, do you know what I also noticed? The accountant needs to shave because he's got uh, his beard is scratching on the microphone. For everybody, here, everybody here needs to shave. Well, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, I just wanted to. I, of course, I love shouting out my blogging friends in Canada, and Court from Modern Family has a couple good articles actually, and she's another one that does a ton of research and digs right into it. So she has one. A that she did. I'm trying to. It. I find it kind of amusing to read when these were written because they're all within the last couple months, and you read it, and you're like, "Wow, it's changed a lot in the last couple months." <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's got a deep dive on that one, and then the most recent one. She doesn't put a date on her blog. Why is it no date? <laughs> Court, you got to put dates on your blog. She is putting in her one percent. Right. So she, although she goes through, and I think like a lot of us and the majority of the people that are listening, all you listeners out there are probably going to be able to come up with very good reasons not to be invested in it. And I know there's some real stalwarts out there that say, nope, not touching it. It's going to zero. It's ridiculous, right? And then there's other people that are super pro. It's going to the moon. So pick your your poison, pick where you want to be. And she's chosen the 1%. And if it goes up to 2%, She's going to shave off some gains and and keep it low, right? Maybe you're right, economist. Maybe that's not enough to move the needle if everything goes totally haywire. But, you know, according to the accountant, it's like, at least you got some skin in the game. Maybe it makes a difference. I don't know what the right answer is, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean, 1% will move the needle if it goes haywire. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The question is, is this the best bet on it going haywire? I don't know. At this point, I have a hard time believing. Do you think gold's better? Nope. <laughs> okay. Not for going haywire. Okay. No. Gold hasn't gone haywire since ever. Well, okay. <laughs> so this this is a question then too, right? Is And I think this was 
account you'll remember because I listened to this as well. This was a, towards the end of that uh, three-hour long marathon podcast that we listened to. That was like it's basically all of our education wrapped up in one podcast. In one pod. I mean, really, you should just go listen to that. But yeah, anyway. if you're listening to this, save yourself another twenty minutes and go start listening. To that. <laughs> it's a big commitment, though. But you won't get to hear about more about the beer. That's true. Yeah, true. We drink beer. We have more fun. Or anyway, about Bitcoin tontines. <laughs> one of the things one of the things that they said in comparison to gold if you're using it as a store of value is that if you needed to pay your bills in 6 months your property taxes in 6 months and you wanted to store money somewhere we know that cash is not a great place to store money right now and the growing fears we keep they're starting to escalate now the fears of inflation and the devaluation of our currency so your 5 grand sitting in cash to pay your property taxes in 6 months if you don't want to keep it in cash if you put it in bitcoin it may be zero in 6 months if you put or it, or it may be double, you or maybe or it may be double. But if you put it in gold, it's probably still going to be fairly close to that five grand, except because the way it reacts. Except you're going to incur the transactional cost. Of course, of yeah, course, is not the case with Bitcoin. I'm asking. Good, good question there. Actually, uh, depends. If you're using ShakePay, for instance, they do scam off the top. Obviously, that's how they make money. I don't know of anywhere you can just buy without transaction costs. In fact, how much did they ding you? It's a pretty big drag, actually. It was, I think it was like three or 4%. Yeah. Man, you know, you're speculating when you're paying three or 4% yep. commission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to comment on something you just said, and this is my own opinion and for entertainment purposes only. Wait, said, all of it is your own. And I, I know, but this is especially. You said, if we get inflation, we have inflation right now. Don't well, kid we, yourself. We things are extremely inflation. more expensive this year right now than they were 12 months ago. Freaking avocados never go down in price. The US <laughs> currency that's in circulation, tw- was, is it 20% of it was printed in 2020? Or is it 40%? I forget the number. But it's an huge. outrageous share of it was yep. created last year. Yep. Yeah. This, like, what are housing prices doing in Canada? Everyone's getting into hard assets. Hard assets. People want to own physical assets. Yes. And while I don't think it hurts having some Bitcoin and other things that can be a bit of a hedge against inflation, I also like being in real estate because that's my big inflation hedge. All right. Well, let's circle back to the reason why we're actually here. Bitcoin tontines. Beer? <laughs> <laughs> Two pretty solid answers, not going to lie. <laughs> so where do we get in on the Bitcoin tontine? Has that been started? Right. Yeah. That, so we need to start one of those. You know what? You got you to gotta go live. Like The economist has to make his own country with no regulation so that you can create all your... Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is it. You led right in. You led right in. So the autonomous... Oh, no. Innovation zones in Nevada. Oh. Oh, you want to talk about that? Please do. Well, well, it's Bitcoin, right? So Nevada is <laughs> considering basically selling part of their state to a technology company um, where... He's not they, very good at this, is he? <laughs> no, you need 50,000 acres of land. Spend two hundred fifty million initially, and have plans to invest one billion inside the zone, and then they'll capitulate all taxation rules to you, so you can run run your county as its independent country. And the wait, did the feds agree to this, or just Arizona, Nevada, Nevada? Sorry, I think it's a blockchain company that wanted this because the the rules of uh, finance in the states just don't allow them to be as innovative as they want to be. Right. So basically, we might have a Bitcoin, Bitcoin country in Nevada in a couple of years. Perfect. And we'll go start a business selling Bitcoin tontines. And I'm sure that won't go <laughs> off the rails at all. And nothing offside will happen. Did you say 50,000 acres? Yeah. That's not that big. But it has to be uninhabited. Yeah, so you won't be able to Nevada. do it in New York. 
right? No, fair. But I mean, 50,000 acres. So you basically, what you're saying is you can buy your own country within the United States that absolves you from tax rules. $1 billion. Minimum $1 billion. Well, 250 million today. Yeah. And a billion over the next 10 years, you got yourself a country. There's I can't some... wait for the Tesla states. <laughs> <laughs> United States of Tesla? United States of Tesla. Yeah. Royalties, we own that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, oh. at the idea, or the company's called Blockchains LLC, and they have 67,000 acres. And they're, they're going to build a community, right? Be interesting to see how that goes. That's getting alarmingly like Snow Crash. Go read that book. And that's alarmingly like <laughs> that futuristic dystopian world. Right. So, I mean, at that point is is whatever currency blockchains LLC goes with, isn't that just their FIAT? And if they choose Bitcoin, is it now a FIAT currency? Or not quite because it has these rules already in place? I. It's not a fiat currency because they don't control the printing of it. Isn't that really what becomes the definition of fiat currency is you have to control the dissemination of it. So if you make your own coin, yeah, Yeah. it's your fiat currency. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is an interesting one though. I think more and more around the globe, people are less and less trustful of their governments. You know I mean? Let's, you know, let's not go down too far down the government path with that. I think it's the connection between the monetary system and the government. Yes. Right. No, that's what I'm specifically referring to. Right. We have, but I mean, those things have been tied together for 500 years, right? The government has, they've, been, they've worked in lockstep together as the monetary system, the currency and the government have worked in lockstep for, for centuries, right? This yeah, is, and this and is the point not, where we're seeing something different. And that's one thing we should also probably bring up is let's not tear on fiat currencies. No. Like the fact that they have armies behind them armies behind them like do you think like okay that you decide not to accept united states dollars and a couple warships show up on your doorstep you think maybe you're accepting them again like yes yeah. that's an important factor here and the other factor is as much as yes okay well inflation has been caused we had a global pandemic and governments managed to get a whole bunch of people through it by printing money Let's not pretend that like, yes, we're going to suffer inflation, but inflation is also going to get us out of our debt. Like this debt problem doesn't go away if we don't have inflation. We need inflation to cut down the amount of debt we have. Mm -hmm. And this got a whole ton of families that otherwise would have gone hungry. It got dollars into their hands and it got food on their tables. Have governments done a great job of it? We can argue about that. Yes and no. But the fact of the matter remains, it's a useful tool. You're saying it's not all bad. I'm saying it's not all bad. Well, and I think one of the things that you bring up in there that you don't say, you didn't say outright, but it's the velocity of money that matters in an economy. It's how yeah. quickly that money's moving around, right? That's, that's, that's what's critical. And by them feeding more money into the system, they increase the velocity of it. It's, yeah. it's moving through the system. And that's what's critical to keep the whole... Anyway, we're totally off track for our crypto here. We're getting into like... Yeah. yeah economics. Rant, go. Yeah. <laughs> Are you... So... What, what do you hate most about it? <laughs> what I hate most about it is screenshots of tech bros that are up... $200 million on their Bitcoin holdings. And it's like, yeah, great. But you had $4 million in company stock before and you put... Ten, like your average person can't make $500,000 investments that can go to zero. These guys can, and they act like they're the smartest people in the world, but you're not seeing the other 10 investments that they also made that were 500 grand that went to zero. He sounds a bit jealous. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, FOMO much? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, it's, it's when you listen to a lot of, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts from guys from Silicon Valley and finally things. caught one in there. There you go. I've been listening. I, have, I thought I'd missed them, but um, a lot of those people don't live in the reality of your everyday people like us. Or, so when they're or, talking or about even oh, not us. or even not us, <laughs> yeah, um, they talk about startups and venture capital and all that stuff. They're already not worried about putting food on their table. They're already so incredibly fi that they don't care. 
So they're only swinging for home runs. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. only making bets for 40x, for 50x, for 60x. They're not making, hey, I'd love to double my money, and that would be really awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's an important thing to keep in perspective that a lot of the shit that you see on Bitcoin is some people that can afford to lose playing the game and swing, swinging for the fences. And the sad ones are the people that can't afford to lose, have swung for the fences, and crypto drops by 50% in a week. And they actually needed that money. Totally. Well, here's a wrap up for you or working towards wrap up. Uh, Thanks again for the beers, Maria. Her article, which just came out is no, I'm not investing in Bitcoin. And she chose invest, which was interesting instead of speculating, but (laughs) she has a, has a negative outlook on it. I shouldn't say negative outlook, but she feels that it doesn't fit in with her investment policy. And I think this is something That's- interesting that we didn't talk about. You know, she's heavy into real estate and they've done well with that, but they understand where their investments are. They know they're in, in real estate, they know they're in index funds, they have an investment policy that they're following. And they know that over the long term, it's going to get them there without unnecessary risk right? or speculation. Right. And I think that's a very important Super point. Super smart. Yeah. yeah. Where does this fit into your plan? Like if, if you have a certain set of outcomes that you need, why you, there might be absolutely no purpose for it. Yeah. And look how long crypto or Bitcoin's taken to get social acceptance. It's taken it's, the social network, right? We are now bombarded by media presence or not. It's not traditional media. It's online. It's our social networks. And that's a lot of this relies on that networking as its propagation, right? As its way of reaching more people. And FOMO, I didn't even know what that stood for five years ago, but now everyone's like, well, if I don't own GameStop, if I don't own Bitcoin, if I'm not doing this or that, I'm not into NFTs, then you're missing out, right? I mean, who knows? There's definitely some incredible growth speculations, and we've already seen it in Bitcoin, and we'll see it in other things too, right? Do you need to have it in your portfolio? No. If you want to have it, do it with what you can afford to lose. I don't know. Is there anything else we can really say about it? I mean, no. it's hard, right? It's difficult. Yeah. You, hey, you remember what? It's uh, personal per- finance is personal. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to give you a second to get what I was thinking. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's the same as, sure, if I took somebody that has $10 million and they're invested in 1% CDs and you say, okay, well, you're not ma- keeping up with inflation and they're 60 and they spend 50K a year, why in the world would they ever need to be in anything riskier than that? doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You have to fit your plan to your needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except if you're expecting huge inflation, then you probably wouldn't want 1% CD. Uh, completely. That's a, that's a GIC. <laughs> <laughs> right. GIC. I always forget. Yeah. I guess you don't have. <laughs> no, no, I do not. So, I'm just going to read here a few things that I got from Family Money Saver, the sponsor of the episode, on his view of crypto. So he just threw a few bullet points at me, and he says, I don't see it as a store of value. It's worse than gold. No real utility value, nothing backing it. We talked about that. It doesn't solve any new problems efficiently. Well, I disagree with that because I think it does work more efficiently online. Okay. Existing transaction methods are faster and cheaper. I will also disagree there. They are faster and cheaper for our traditional financial system, but not necessarily moving forward with the money of the internet, if you want to call it that. He says, uh, having a maximum float doesn't make it valuable. I'm not quite sure what he means there. I think he means there's a a maximum number that can ever be shown up. And that doesn't in of itself make it valuable. You still need buy-in. Exactly. Yeah. You still need acceptance that is it, it has its own it has value, right? So he also yeah, says it's too value or it's too volatile. I like this one. It's too volatile to be a currency. You could you could walk to the pizza store for a large and come back with a medium, 
or possibly own the whole entire franchise. <laughs> that's 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 really good. That's yeah. really good. Quote of the show. Uh, he also says, "I don't get the deregulated argument. Governments are going to want a piece of the pie on any currency, and this is one we haven't really touched on because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, different." blockchain type uh coins i mean governments are going to come up with their own and they're going to tax it the way they're going to tax it so that one's i think indeterminate we're undetermined at the point and the last one he says is something we brought up earlier too is it caters to illegal activity transfer of funds which government doesn't support which is totally fair we're not sure how that works and it's been shown in the past but uh yeah can't speak Crim- to that criminals are going to criminal criminals are going to be criminal they yeah. always have yeah that's yeah. I mean, I'm always going to watch the Italian job because they're stealing gold, not because they're stealing a USB drive with Bitcoin on it. I'm sorry. Yeah, that movie's coming. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely It's going to be coming. exciting to have a USB drive in the back of a mini going through <laughs> yeah, a yeah. square pipe. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, the last one is, it's a pyramid scheme. It's the greater fool theory. Who's going to buy it as it goes higher? Interesting points. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for sponsoring the episode, Family Money Saver. Uh, Yeah, I think as this is just a topic with more questions than answers. And there's a ton, a ton of information out there. And like I said, be careful what you read and be careful where you get your information from because you can bias yourself one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And this this whole Bitcoin thing blowing up does not mean index funds are dead. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally. Keep on keeping on on your FI journey. But this is what we're here to do is learn about these other fringe things. And I don't know if crypto is not that fringe anymore, but it's interesting to learn more. And if you're the person that's listening to the show and you're deep into learning about finances, then yeah, go and find out some more knowledge and don't rely on the FI garage to be the uh, be all end all. (laughs) Yeah. And this is my last one is I know that it's a lot of years away, but what happens when the last Bitcoin is issued and miners no longer have an incentive to mine. Yeah, I know. We talked about that too. You know. What okay, we- so now transactions just aren't being processed? Or do they charge per transaction? Well, I, mean, okay. I, I don't even know how you would. But that's yeah. like saying, when's the last piece of gold coming out of the ground? But this is calculatable. Yes. Well, and so is gold. So is point. gold. At a certain point, you're yeah. going to have to dig so but deep that it's not it- worth it. But the it's thing the about gold is it has thought. value, or it has no, it doesn't. It's shiny, it doesn't have value. People like necklaces and <laughs> other things. Yeah, well, apparently they like NFTs now too. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I had an interesting talk about that recently with Courtney Stevens. So I won't. We'll save that for another time. <laughs> um, one last thing that I wanted to add in that we kind of missed. Well, we missed on a couple things, and we could keep going and going and going. Was the environmental impact of Bitcoin. yeah? That's another huge right? one. So that's a huge yeah. one. We didn't forget about it. It's just another huge topic to deal with. But I wanted to end off one last thing from Maria's article. There was she said, you know, we're talking about using one percent. You're talking about using like we've talked about this before. If you're going to speculate, ex- expect to lose it. Right? It's your fun money. And I kind of like what she said. She said, you know what? If it's fun money, I got better things to do with my fun money. (laughs) Maybe I'll go camping with my kids. Maybe I'll have a nice dinner. Maybe I'll buy an experience that I'm always going to have, not throw my money away on a speculative blockchain crypto investment. So Put it on six. Put it on six. (laughs) Put it all on black. Yeah. Yeah. Well, boys, I mean, that's a tough one. That's a tough... It's, you know, we had to talk about it because... It's all it's all the talk. Yeah. And and we do talk about it amongst ourselves, but you know, I think the accountant's right and the economist you should check it out to the acquire podcast that's three hours long. I like that it digs back to the beginning. And some of that is if you're interested in that kind of thing, some of the stuff that happened is incredibly interesting. It's, it's foundational, which gives you much more appreciation for it. And the original white paper was not all about decentralization well it was but it's not about taking over the current system or anything like that it was about creating a A better way to transact on the internet a better way to transact on the internet and if you think of it that way and look at it from a different angle you go yeah it's actually pretty amazing what it has become yeah Mm -hmm. so there you go to the moon well I'm sure we're going to get a lot of hate mail from all the Bitcoin lovers on all the things we got wrong so uh yeah, fair enough. But we weren't too down on it, to be fair. 
No, I, I yeah. felt like we gave it a fair shot. I feel like we didn't get the real accountant rat. Yeah, I know. But, yeah. I know. You know, the, the thing was... I hope he doesn't ask for his Bitcoin back. Well, I, yeah, I hope Family Money Saver is okay <laughs> that I didn't completely destroy it, but I don't think it's useful. Okay, <laughs> here's a great way to end the show. We talked about doing this show like three months ago, and the account was like just like, Bah, 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 like rant 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 i'm like okay well i guess it's gonna be a good show but here we are three months later and you actually had to do some real research on it and you came back and you went huh maybe there's some other things i didn't necessarily think about except that it has no value <laughs> yeah. so that's what i, I think know, I know. Is, is, is learn about it right yeah it's funny because I feel like it goes both way. The more you learn about it, the more you're like, okay, there's a little something here, but then you're also like, the hype is not justified. <laughs> Fair. So it yeah. goes a little bit of both ways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, smart people are talking about it. So if you want to know what smart people are talking about, go no, listen to them. Go listen oh, yeah. to them. Yeah, go <laughs> listen to anybody but us. <laughs> Learn both sides, right? Learn both sides of the argument. I think that's yeah. how you become a smart person. So absolutely. Yeah. Wrapping it up. Cheers, boys. All right. Cheers, Cheers. to uh, Maria Handful of Thoughts and Family Money Save. Thank you. Cheers. Till next time. <laughs>